0: Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to focus on the verse for just a second, but we're going to be in John chapter 3, and as I was sitting there, God said you need to focus on 12 and 2 for a second of Hebrews. We're going to go to prayer. Once again, as Larry said, we don't want to tarry, but we want to be mindful of what the Lord wants, and this is His time and His service, so if you have something for the Lord you need to share... It is in order, as Larry said, for you to do it, to be mindful. All right, let's pray. Dearly, Father, we just thank you for this service. As Larry Cook said in his prayer, Father, the privilege, it is such a privilege to worship you. It is such a privilege to hold in our hands the very word that you'd inspired and spoke. Father, it is such a privilege to join together with other men and women, who have us share the same desire to see you move in our lives. Father, we're thankful for this church, what it's able to do. Father, we're so thankful for what you're able to do through it. Father, we have such a blessed hope that you're not done with us yet. And Father, if it was me on the other side, I'd be done with myself a long time ago. But we're thankful for your patience with us, thankful for your love for us, and your desire to see more saved, to more to come to know you, and your goodness Father, we pray for this service that it just be uh, what you'd want it to be, that we'd leave here closer to you than when we came in. And once again, as Larry also said, if someone who does not know you for salvation tonight, that is our heart's desire, that they would come to know you. Father, we could do, uh, we could do our part to introduce you, but I just pray your Holy Spirit will do the work, uh, that you could introduce yourself to them and show them exactly who you are and what you came to do. But Father, we do all these things and ask all these favors and blessings in the most precious name we know. the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and amen. Hebrews chapter 12, one verse, we all know it, very famous. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to... I want you to remember that in your mind as we turn to John chapter three, that we need to be looking unto Jesus nowhere else. He should be the focal point in our life. And why is he that? Because he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. Everything we are, everything we were and everything we ever will be is based contingent on what he's allowed us uh, to be part of. Why? Because of what he did for us. Why is he the author and finisher of our faith? Why are we looking unto Jesus? It says it because he endured the cross, despising the shame. He went through it all for us. I have to. Under, I hope you know that. And I see a beautiful illustration in John chapter three. Look at verse fourteen. Now we obviously we know John three sixteen, but I want to encompass it. I want to focus on verse fourteen. Because if we don't read 14 and just read 15 through 17, 14 really doesn't give substance. And if we only read 14 and don't read 15, 16, and 17, but I want to read all four verses. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Once again, verses 15 through 17 Do not give enough emphasis once I read 14. As I began to read that this afternoon, as God had this on my heart and I was uh, finishing and looking over the notes that God had given me, I, I continue to ask myself that question. One simple, basic question that when we read the verse 14, I say, why would Jesus compare himself to a serpent of all the illustrations of all the symbols that he could have used? Why use the symbol of a certain serpent? Well, he gives that illustration, you know, so I want to turn to Numbers chapter 21 from what I can read in the, in the Bible and what I find in studying, there are only three Verses in the Bible that speak of this type of serpent, not a serpent in general, but this specific serpent number. The third we see here in John chapter three, when Christ is talking to Nicodemus here. But the first we see is in Numbers chapter 21. In fact, it's what Christ referenced. Because that is the question. If we have to ask ourselves the question, why is Jesus using the illustration of himself as the serpent? We have to then ask the question, what is the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness? And we find it. Look at verses 8 and 9. And let me just say this as you're looking at those verses, if you would happen to back up a few verses, we won't go through them tonight. Uh, I, I would pray that you would read into it. It's a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of nuggets, a lot of meat in this. But if you go back a few verses about what had happened, Israel had just got done defeating an army. God was taking them the way they didn't particularly like. Israel began to do what they always do, murmuring, complaining about, about God and against God and against Moses and how they were brought to eat out of Egypt. Just to die, they didn't like the food. They didn't like the way they were being led. And they didn't like the leadership. Again, it's the it is. So God, in order to chasten his own children, we see that he sent in these serpents. Uh, and after some of the people got bit and died, uh, they went to Moses and confessed that they had murmured and all these things against God and himself. And Moses went and, and, they, and they asked Moses to go and pray to God and to ask that they would remove these serpents to find some relief from this ailment. And God said unto Moses, this is what he said. Verse eight, and the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The issue was the serpents were biting people. And killing them, but the ailment, the the cure was this brass serpent on a pole that was lifted up in the midst of this wilderness, and uh, and it says that if anyone had been bitten, they could look upon it and they would be healed, they would be cured. And we see a beautiful illustration in the situation of mankind itself, in our desperate state. Once again, we are born to die. We are born to die. Because of sin, because it literally runs through our veins, it's not something that you can go into a a surgeon, you can take the best surgeon in the world, and he cannot surgically remove sin. It's something that we are born with. We are, we are, it is passed down from generation to generation, and because of it, we are doomed to die. But we can look on Jesus. We can look to Jesus and find the cure. We can look to Jesus and find healing. I believe it was so. Uh, let me just say this in passing before we dive into it. The second uh, time that this serpent is mentioned is 2 Kings 8 and 14, where Hezekiah is, I would say, cleaning house, so to speak. He's taking down because uh, because of Israel had had done wrong and was uh, worshiping an idol. And actually, this had become an idol. It says in uh, 2 Kings 18 and 4, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called it Nehushtan. So that is the second only of one, one of three uh, times we see this serpent being uh, talked about in scripture. But I have to ask this question here. Especially when you look throughout scripture and you see the word serpent. Without a doubt, the first thing you think of, and it's the first thing I think of when I think of a serpent in the Bible, is evil. It's evil. You know? Most notably, the devil. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, we see it. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, we see also uh, Revelations 12 and 9. I believe Revelations 20 and 2, that the serpent is called crooked, he's evil. Job 26 and 13, Isaiah 27 and 1. I tried to look up as many verses, but the connotation of the serpent is evil. It's crooked. It's, it's all the way from the beginning we see uh, that this is the case. This is the background for it. In fact, we see all the way at the beginning that the serpent was the first creature to then be cursed, according to Genesis 3 and 14. The serpent was cursed. There are so many more examples of where we see that the serpent is clearly and undeniably associated with evil. And yet, Christ would say that he, as that serpent that Moses would lift up. Bear with me for a second. Also, we see here that uh, God told Moses to make this serpent out of brass. Now, we see brass is typically was associated with judgment. In fact, we see that many of the things, the altar itself was made of bronze, made of brass, everything that was dealt with typically in the temple uh, of the utensils that were made to deal with the altar was made with brass. In fact, I wrote this down uh These things that dealt with sacrifices of which many had something to do with the forgiveness of sin as if it was back then taking sins. And obviously we remember uh, notably the day of atonement, which would move back sin for one year. We see all this playing a a part in what I believe that he allowed Moses to go through that and and to put that in the wilderness just to be an image of Jesus Christ for coming. Let me go on to say this. While thinking of the on that question of why Jesus would compare himself to a serpent, the word cursed, as we just said, come to mind. The serpent was the first creature to be cursed. God uses a, a picture of the result of their sin to also be the cure that they needed to focus on. What do you mean by that? So, what came into Israel to, uh, that bit these, the, the Israel children? It was, this, it was these serpents, right? And yet it was a very serpent that would be the cure for that very bite, that very poison, that very death that was bringing him on. And we see the same illustration, Jesus Christ, who stepped out of glory in the likeness of what? Man. <laughs> you see, we ourselves are cursed because of the fall. And we ourselves are our own judgment. Once again, uh, we, we, we have to, the wages, uh, Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death, that is us. Now man had sinned, man had become his own judgment for that sin, so God used his own very own son in the likeness of the very judgment that he sought to be the cure. I love that, it's so beautiful. In the instructions that God gave Moses throughout the throughout the Old Testament for the Israelite children. He also made mention of, of, uh, of, of one hanging in the air as we see the serpent being risen in a pole and we see Jesus Christ obviously on Calvary. We see in Deuteronomy 21 and 23, it says this, His body shall not remain all night upon the, th- on the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. That thy land may not be defiled, which is the Lord thy God giveth thee for the inheritance. God said that the body should not remain on tree. Any body that remains on a tree would be cursed, would be cursed. Now, Galatians 3 and 13 says something very important. It says this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? How did he redeem us from the curse of the law? being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree." The very thing that came into this, into the camp, the, uh, in the wilderness, these serpents that were destroying left and right, they came to, they came to Moses and said, you pray to God, give us some relief, give us some cure. We, we're dying out here. And God literally told Moses to make this brass serpent to raise it in the air. And he said, I promise you, if you look upon the serpent, anybody that's been bit, anybody that's been infected will be healed. And yet we see in John, chapter three, before he says John three, sixteen, and literally John three, seventeen, which I, which I love, where it says that God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that through his son, the world might be saved. But yet this illustration, this beautiful illustration that, that really on the surface doesn't make a lot of sense until you understand the Old Testament. I can't stress that enough, the importance of knowing the Old Testament, because it is the schoolmaster. It is the foreshadowing of things that are coming. You know, the old has been passed away, but it's it brings into the new effect that we have a new testament, which is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when I see in John chapter three, verses 14, it makes so much more sense. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so in the same regards that listen, let me just say this right now. God does not want us to die. I believe it's in 2 uh, Thessalonians. We are not appointed for wrath, but unto salvation. I can't remember the exact verse. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be healed. And the fact is, without Jesus Christ being the author and finisher of our face, without looking upon him, without any brazen serpent in the wilderness, there was no cure. Without Jesus Christ on the cross, that's the thing about religion today. You take away the cross, you take away Calvary, we're hopeless. We're hopeless. There's nothing else. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. We talk about cancer. So many we know that have cancer. Oh, we're hoping it'll go into remission. We're hoping we can fight this thing. We're hoping we can stop it from progressing further. The Israel children in, in the wilderness here, they were looking for a cure. They were looking for some healing. And finally, Moses, through God's instruction, raised up that brazen serpent. But we see the, a beautiful illustration that pointed to something so much more. Of Jesus Christ. He became the curse for us. The very judgment that we deserved. The very wrath that we deserved. The very death that we deserved. He became that for us. He wants us to be free. I think of that snake bite. Once again, we see Jesus as a perfect, sinless sacrifice. How? Because... Because the Holy Spirit was his actual Father, once again, that the Holy Spirit conceived with Mary, that he had a he did not actually have sin, he didn't actually that sin was not passed down like it is for you and me. No matter what I might do, uh no matter what we could do, uh when me and Megan had children, that sin was passed to our children through the blood of the Father. Through me, it's just because it's who we are as, as, as humans. But the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is he did not inherit that sin. He was sinless. He was perfect. You know, so I think of that snake bite. You know, what happens to a snake bite? What happens to venom? They strike and what happens? That venom then infects the bloodstream and begins to then, uh, uh, it begins to just infect the whole bloodstream. And once again, the bloodstream infects the heart and the heart, the brain, and so far until finally we just die. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ in my life that I had that poison of sin running through my veins and I had no one to fix it. But Jesus Christ did a work by taking my place on the cross, dying for my sins and me simply looking to Him uh, as as my Redeemer, looking to Him as my cure, looking to Him as my redemption in the midst of a wilderness in my life. I was in the wilderness. I was wandering. I was headed in the wrong direction. And He did that for me. And if He did it for me, I'm telling you, He wants to do it for all of us. He stands there still as an image, lifted up. He says, if I be lifted up above the earth." I will draw all men unto myself. You know, that's what he does for us. This beautiful illustration that if we take him off the cross, if we bring him down and say, listen, you know, it's no more. Uh, Listen, there's one thing that's not an idol. And, And as we see that, uh, uh, Nehemiah, I believe it was. No, Hezekiah was the one in uh, 2 Kings 18 that tore it down. They began to worship. Instead of worshiping God, they made that uh, an idol. They made that brazen serpent and it began to break it down and all that. And I could say, I don't care. Uh, thousands and thousands, I'll even say millions of things. You can even say the bricks and mortar of this church can become an idol if you allow it to. But one thing will never be an idol. It's worshiping Jesus Christ. You can never go wrong with worshiping Jesus Christ. When we begin to place things over top of Calvary, over top of the shedding of blood that he did on Calvary, we're in a world of mess. We're in a world of mess. And you can put whatever you want and say, oh, that's not, it will become an idol in your life, but you can never go wrong. If we, we need to continue to lift up the banner of what he did for us, but I love that. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever, just as it was in the wilderness, they believed on that serpent, they looked on that serpent, and they began to see. Oh well, hey, I was bit. I'm not infected. I was bit. I'm not dying. In fact, I'm 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 healed. I'm better. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The reality is this: if you do not have Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of your faith, if you are not looking to him for salvation you are infected with a thing called sin and I'm sorry you will perish and that's not God's plan for your life see the the world will say oh what kind of bigoted thing you preaching you got to let me finish (laughs) you will perish but that's not God's plan for your life he says it in verse 17. For God sent not into his into uh, into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many times have you heard this? And we'll go ahead and get uh, Mike and Sonny to come on up. How many times have you heard this? You can't condemn me. Don't judge me. You're condemning me. No, folks, listen, you're already condemned. Without Jesus Christ in your life running the show, and without a personal relationship, unless you're born, bought, blood bought, born again, unless that, you are already condemned. First John says, everything in the world will pass away. Lust of the eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life, everything. Everything you see on this earth will pass away. But the word of the Lord will endure forever. Forever. We will. It will not pass away. His words will not pass away. What he said. Looking to him, I have now been. I have now uh, died with Jesus Christ, and He will resurrect me one day. And I'm telling you, uh, I have eternal life. It doesn't start the day that I die. I have eternal life the minute I accepted Jesus Christ. Because this is how it's going to go. It's going to be Brad in this life. Hopefully, I'll still be walking. He may just take me as I'm walking. But if for whatever reason, uh, if I'm walking and the Lord would decide me, drop me dead at that moment, I'm not going to fall dead lay in a grave or whatever to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in the blink of an eye in the twinkling of an eye it's going to go from death to life that's what eternal life looks like I just continue to walk it out I'm going to take one step on this side and I might get tipsy and then I go over and I'm in glory that's what eternal life looks like but you don't have it unless you have a redeemer You don't have it unless you've raised up the one thing that can be the atoning sacrifice for your sin. That's Jesus Christ. It was that brazen serpent in the wilderness, and it's Jesus Christ today. But let me say this, and we'll go ahead and get a song. There is a brazen serpent in the Old Testament that was lifted high. Jesus Christ today lifted high. Can I say this? There's not another. If you're waiting for something else, there's nothing else. There is no other sacrifice that pleased God. For once, in the fullness of time, it says. He won't go to the cross again. He did it once for all humanity. He died for the, all the sin of the past, the present, and the future. If you're waiting around for another sacrifice, if you're waiting around for something else that can be your Redeemer, folks, it just ain't coming. But Jesus Christ is sufficient, I can tell you that right now. If you don't know him tonight, I simply I say, look to him. Look to Jesus. He is the author, he is the finisher of your faith and my faith. Why? Because he did it all. <laughs> he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Imagine the shame for a second. For the God of all the universe... To come down in the likeness of a humble, lowly servant. To live a sinless life in the midst of people that rejected his own family, his own country place. Rejected him. He was stripped of his clothing. He was scourged. He was spit upon. He was, he was beaten till He was unrecognizable. And then they hung him on a cross and allowed him to die between two thieves. What reproach. Disgusting. He did that. For you and me. He could have came off there any moment. But he did that because we needed a cure. We needed a cure for the shame. We needed a cure for the curse that only he. So being that once again that we were cursed and he became a curse that we could be relieved of the curse. Those serpents were the one causing the issue. And then Moses lifted up the very same thing in the very likeness to be the very cure for that which was killing him. I love that. What a beautiful illustration. All right, Mike, you come on. Listen, if you got a reason to pray, I'm fired up. I'll tell you that. Uh, If you want to come pray, we want to give this, this this invitation is for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, if he's not lifted high in your life, I'm telling you, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. We can come to him with whatever we have with whatever illness, whatever sickness, whatever it is that we're dealing with, and He is our cure. He is our healer. He is our great physician. Go ahead, Mike.